<laughs> yeah. So welcome to Insights in City Radio. Steve Sears up on the stage with ESPN. We're at the front yard at Ellis Island. And we're going to kick things off with a, uh, a guitar player named Nas that used to work at the uh, show called 27 at the Heart, not the Heart Rock. <laughs> What's it called? Virgin. The Vir- is it the Virgin Hotel now we've, still? We've or? been in Vegas a long time, and it's hard for us to change. Yeah, it's the Virgin. The Virgin. So he's going to – he plays the Jimi Hendrix uh, kind of impersonator at the at – the, at the what show. was the place called? I can't remember the name of the venue, but it's the 27 Club is the show. Yeah, 27 Club, which is, the premise was all the artists that had passed away at 27, Jimi Hendrix – Kurt Cobain, all these other stuff. So the guy that did Jimi Hendrix, he's a phenomenal guitar player. He is going to start everything off with the Star Spangled Banner, and I'm going to try to. We're going to try to record it. I don't know how well it'll go off. We might have to. We might have to get the copy of it from ESPN Radio. But uh, he's is that that's a is that a Gibson or an Epiphone? Looks like an Epiphone, actually. Uh, it is an Epiphone. But both are made by Gibson. It's a beautiful guitar, though. It's one of those... Uh, I, can't, I can't remember what they're called. I can't even think today. But he's going to... I think he's going to kick it off here pretty quick. So, so Okay, so it's now Steve. Steve is uh, <coughs> also on ESPN Radio right now here in Vegas. ESPN 1100. And... Oh, Now we're going to kick things off with the Star Spangled Banner. Here we go. Live uh, for your enjoyment. Maybe not. It's the power cord. (laughs) It's the power cord we let him use. (laughs) Maybe the the power cord has the same plug blocker that always does. (laughs) The plug blocker blocker (laughs) 5000. Uh, let's see who else is going to come up. So we got Randy Couture and his wife Mindy. Mindy, and we've got uh, Zoe Bowie is going to come here. Sands, Zoe, um, the the lady that played Amy Winehouse is here. Dude, she was phenomenal. She was great. She did a great job. She did a very convincing. I would say of that show, like the Kurt Cobain one was kind of stupid, but the the uh, Amy Winehouse and the um, Jimi Hendrix guy was good. You ready? Are you going to go over there first? or Have a seat. We'll do our thing. We don't tell Randy Couture where to go. <laughs> we know our place in the world, sir. <laughs> we, know, we know our lot in life. <laughs> Plenty of people tell me where to go. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Do you remember us at all? Yeah, I recognize and remember both of you. Okay, that's great. Because we've been doing this since, you know, for as long as forever. Yeah. yeah. I remember. So I appreciate you coming. Thanks, yeah. Happy to be here. I remember when you and I were first hanging out and you said you want you needed help. Because th- that's when the gear. <laughs> that's when it was all over the place. Yeah. And you said, hey, we're doing this thing at the Hard Rock. And we're going we're gonna to interview Randy Couture. And I was like, done. You had me. I'll work for free. Because I was a huge <laughs> UFC and... Randy I didn't even get to the boy. free food part. And it was just good. So what have you been up to lately? Man, I've been running hard. Um, All over the place. Your wife's running? What, what's, yeah, what she's are you running doing these for, days? for office. She's running, running for a state seat, a state assembly seat. Good. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. She's on the on the main ticket here in November. Good. As a libertarian, she changed parties. Good. Mm. Kind of got a pretty good 
hammering by the GOP in the state of Nevada, which is, you know, they're, that's a long story. Yeah. I don't even want to talk no, about politics. I get politics. it. I understand it. <laughs> I keep my mouth shut my head down. <laughs> This guy, have you seen the 27 show? Ah, it's the, amazing. I it got to go to great. the premiere with Steve. And it was great. An incredible show. So, so much talent. Yeah, a cool story. And you literally think you're looking at the real person yeah. right, you know, playing and, and performing those songs. It was, that was incredible. And then with the backstories all, you know, all up in the big screens a, in the back, it yeah. gives you that history and all that. It was just it was amazing. It was a lot of energy. They did a really good job with that. There's been a lot of impersonator shows here in town, but that, I think, was the best one. Yeah. He was one of the best one. It was so convincing. Yeah, amazing. A lot so of people don't know to? that what the twenty-seven is, and you know, that there's five yeah. huge artists that all died at twenty-seven years old. Uh, you huge know, Amy artists. Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Jim you know, Morrison, uh, Jim Morrison, and. Robert, Robert, right? Johnson. Robert, Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson. Which is, he's kind of like the one that started it all. He was the, the mystique of the whole yeah, thing. The yeah. whole he sold the soul to the devil yeah. and all that. Yeah. 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 Amazing show, though. Unbelievable. It was great. I love live music anyway. Do you? I mean, it's almost h- tough to mess that up, you yeah. know? Yeah. you got to work pretty hard to be pretty bad <laughs> and mess that up as far as live music goes, in my well, opinion. Unless I'm, you're Vince Neil. I'm just that easily entertained, I guess. <laughs> unless you're Molly Crew and have to use a click track. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the what's the most recent concert you've been to? A lot of shows have been coming to town now that COVID's you know over and you've Gosh, been to any good to think shows. Who I just saw must not have been that spectacular. I can't remember, <laughs> but I didn't get hit in the head for 14 years. So <laughs> there's that. We saw we went and saw, to the House of Blues. I think was the most yeah. recent one. We saw Testament and Death Angel and Exodus. Exodus. Yeah. Oh like wow. 80s thrash. Oh and it was wow. Just, it was so cool. Huh. Yeah, so cool. That was a. It was interesting to see sixteen-year-old kids and sixty-year-old dudes in a mosh pit. Like that's something I'd <laughs> yeah. never stopped. Oh, wow, we were kind yeah. of up in a little a booth up here, so we could see the stage. We could see out into the crowd, and it was just everybody. It was their kids huh. and old people yeah. that were wow. forty years older than me. Even that's it was cool. Fun. Yeah, I remember going to see. Uh, uh, gosh, Anthony Lukitas, uh Oh, uh, Chili Peppers. Chili Peppers with Did Dan that Henderson. Happen? Oh, no, this was a long time ago. We, oh, okay. We were in L.A. They were playing at the Forum. We got tickets to go. So uh-huh. me, and, me and Dan Henderson yeah. go, go and we're right up front. Yeah. All of a sudden, these guys start you know, <laughs> banging into the back of us. And we're like, what the heck's going on? And we turn around, and there's a mosh pit that breaks out. And we just get the biggest <laughs> smiles on our faces. We're like, oh, it's time to go. It's on. And we just start wrecking guys. It was, <laughs> uh, that it was a blast. Fun. Did they have any idea who I don't think they were so. But with? didn't, yeah. yeah. I don't think they cared. And you know, we certainly didn't care. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, in in your world, in your industry, a lot of guys have the cauliflower here. Mm-hmm. And I've always joked. I go, when you have when you see a guy with two cauliflower ears, he doesn't give a shit. Don't. That's not the guy. <laughs> that's not your guy, man. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with that. Guy. I remember. I think we met him at your gym. It was uh, Forrest. Yeah. Forrest and then Matt, I think Matt Hughes at the time, too. Was he at your gym? He never trained with us. Um, I met him somewhere. He was super nice guy, but tough as hell. At the Hard Rock at the weigh-ins. That's right. That's what it was. 
but back when for, UFC was still in the hundreds. It was, but it was that other league that then UFC bought. WEC. WEC with Alex Karalexis. Yeah, and yeah. a bunch of those guys Karalexis were there. Alex was a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Great he was on my guy. team in the first season of the yeah. Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. Alex was. He's, he's a yeah. great dude. I love Alex. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have an interesting story. When I was, just before I was even on air with these guys, I was just helping them. I was setting up at your gym out there off Sunset, right? Yep. And uh, you walked in. I was just running cable and all that stuff, and you walked in, and uh, I, you you were in your your workout clothes. Okay. But I was just standing there, and you walked up and gave me a fist bump, and this is, like, it's probably very insignificant, whatever, but, like, Did you I was, your pants? <laughs> I was at a super low point in my life, like, just, you know, broke and trying to get everything together, and Randy Couture walks in and gives me a fist bump, and I'm like, I'm on cloud nine, right? And I was like... Dude, you know, you're just it's just routine for you, but like that meant the world to me, man. Oh, man. So, anyways. You know. Is the gym still doing good? Gym's doing great. Great. Do you yeah. uh, do you have satellite gyms or are you franchising this thing or just here we, in town? We, we had the, a few franchises and then in 08 when the economy turned upside down, uh, a bunch of the franchises went away. The only one that's still there is up in Toronto, Canada. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, with 700 Kipling. That's the only uh, licensing agreement that's still in place. All the other ones went away. So, I Let's talk about combat sports. What do you think of the status of combat sports these days? Uh, you know, I think we're going through some growing pains. Uh, they've saturated the market a little bit. There used to be, what, eight shows a year? Right. There was something special in that era. They spent the time to kind of build some stars and marquee guys, and, and there's a fighter standing on every corner now. I don't think they're spending the time building those stars the way they used to. Mm. There's at least one or two shows every weekend now. Yeah. And that's a good thing in some ways. As a fighter, you have lots of places now to go ply your wares and find a way to make a living and, and, and use your skills. Um, and also, as, you know, starting to see some of these crossover fights, you know, Askren and, and Tyron Woodley and, and some of these guys fighting in some boxing fights now. And I, I like some of that because it's shining a, dis- a light on the disparaging difference in pay between boxing and MMA. Sure. And, and so, you know, I think we got some room to grow there and, and to improve and hopefully, you know, create some transparency in our sport. That's the difference between boxing and MMA right now. Promoters in boxing have to disclose how much money they made from an event. How are you supposed to negotiate your fair value in the marketplace if nobody knows yeah. how much money these promoters are making off of each event? Right. And uh, that becomes a real big issue. And then the exclusive contract, signing away your ancillary rights, all those sorts of things are areas where we as fighters need to kind of come together, unify. You know, we have the MMAFA, Mixed Martial Arts Fighters Association, but there's really nobody behind it, no traction involved. We need to get some of these top-tier guys, marquee guys that see that the sport needs to change and that we need that transparency as well. And until those guys are willing to risk it and get involved, it, you know, we're kind of beating our head up against the wall. But, uh, you know, the Muhammad Ali Act is probably the fastest route to get there and create that transparency. That was federal legislation that was created in 96 to protect boxers from promoters. Yeah. Like Don King and Bob yeah. Herman, those guys. So we don't, it doesn't cover us. We're not included in that definition. So simply by changing the definition from boxing to combative sports athlete and then adjusting some of the technical things that are in the federal legislation, we would all enjoy that same transparency. And then I think MMA fighters would start getting a better piece of the pie. Better shake, yeah. yeah so. You know, with all industries, housing, finance, there's as you as you navigate through it, you can kind of see the writing on the wall and where the industry's going. Where do you feel like this is going? Where do you feel like the UFC and other MMA? Where, where 
Where's it going? Is it going up? Is it going sideways? Oh, it's sideways? definitely going Is up. It I, I, you know, it it's continues to solidify itself as the combative sport for this generation. And that's a global movement. That's not just America yeah. or Asia. You know, obviously, it started in Brazil and Japan. Right. And, and, and this, this kind of hybrid sport kind of in Japan grew out of pro wrestling. You know, in in Brazil, BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and, right. and the Gracie family uh, is kind of where it started. It made its way to the U.S. in the early 90s, 93. Was that, was that called uh, Pride? Is that what that was? Pride was a big organization, but there were several others. And Pride was an offshoot of, of a couple of guys oh, that okay. started some Shuto, uh -huh. shoot fighting, uh, and, and they were... The rings was another one oh, over there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, these guys were all came out of the pro wrestling world in the Japanese market. And they love their pro wrestling over there. And also love fighting. Bushido is a huge part of their culture. So yeah. these guys kind of were, were doing their thing with the rings. And then they all kind of went their own way and started their own organizations. And Pride was one of the, the benefits and things that came out of that out of that environment. When, when did you start in the UFC? 97 was my oh, first okay. fight. Oh, okay, wow. UFC 13. Did you did you go do, like, pride That was stuff my with, very first fight. That was fight. your first stuff, okay. And my only fight. Wow. Uh, well, I fought twice that night. It was still tournament format back oh, then. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. Down the road, pride threw, you know, threw, threw an offer at me. Uh -huh. They knew I was, my contract was up at the UFC. It was in negotiation period. And yeah. they tried, you know, and Dan, my, one of my best friends, Dan Henderson, has been fighting for pride predominantly. He hadn't fought in the right. UFC yet. And, uh, so they, they had made an offer, tried to get me to come over and fight for them. And I kind of saw what was going on with Danny. You know, Danny's one of the best fighters on the planet. True, yeah. And he was tremendous. relatively unknown in, in the U.S. marketplace because most of his fights had taken place over in Tokyo, over in the Pride market. And Pride hadn't tried to come to the U.S. yet. They yeah. eventually did that for a couple of shows. And Danny fought on one of those cards. But I thought it was better for my career to stay in the U.S. market as far as the endorsements and all the other stuff sure. that was going on and, and, and kind of keep my career housed and, and planted here. Even though I fought in Japan, my first title fight was in Japan. I fought for rings. I fought in the KOK tournament over there. Yeah. Uh, I fought in Japan a few times, but uh, most of my career was spent with the UFC and met, spent here in the U.S. market. Um, the, so, the, you know, you talk about all these other organizations. Like, uh, I saw this one down in Phoenix. I can't remember the name of it. Um, anyway, are they like, are those different organizations, are they considered kind of like triple a no i wouldn't call it that i mean yes there are regional promotions like lfa and some of these others yeah that you would call a feeder program or yeah. something like that uh obviously the top three promotions in the sport right now ufc is the num the biggest promotion the most uh -huh. athletes sign bellator is right up there pfl has, has made some great strides in the last five years they've had four seasons and, and some are saying that PFL is now the number two organization in mixed okay. martial arts. That's actually who I've been working for the last five years. Oh, okay. Um, doing broadcasting and, and working with those guys. So uh, it's been really interesting to see that, to take it, uh, our sport of MMA and put it in a true sports format. Uh-huh. You know, with a regular season and a playoff and a championship every year, like every other sport you ever know. Sure. Which is a unique place for what we would call prize fighting. It's a completely different model, and I like the model a lot. Because it's a meritocracy. It's not about who does the best publicity stunts right. or talks the most crap. It's about who goes out and wins fights and scores points in those in those fights to advance to the playoff and get a shot at the title yeah. like any other sport we're used to. So I really love that. I love the format and what they're doing. I had some questions about the format early on. But, uh, you know, and, and Bellator has now kind of moved under Showtime, 
where they were on, on Paramount TV and I think had a little more exposure. You know, a lot of the right. fights were free. And the the zone, they went to the zone. And uh, I think that, you know, as big as the the zone is in boxing, it wasn't quite getting the traction it had in MMA. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the UFC is still kind of leading the charge. You know, WME sometimes, you know, you scratch your head like, what are you guys doing? You're trying to figure out w- what they're doing or what they're thinking. But uh, at the end of the day, they've, they've set the bar high. Their production quality is very, very good. They have, right. I think, over 650 fighters signed to that organization. Some of wow. them, so, And they're a marketing machine. You know, they have over 200 employees that help, you know, help them spread the word. So at your, at your gym, do you have a mix of guys from the different organizations training with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we are a mixed martial arts training center. We don't care what organization you fight for or that. None of that. We don't, you know, we just want to help you prepare. Yeah. Give you all the tools you need to get yourself ready to go out and win a fight. Sure. So someone comes to you, uh, <clears throat> comes to your gym and say, hey, I want to get healthy. I want to kind of have a better lifestyle. I want to get into this just for not necessarily hobby, but to, you know, better themselves. Yeah. Do you, are there different disciplines based on people's individual goals? Or sure. Or you just say, you know what, you're going to start with this, you're going to go no, through this? No, we let them pick and choose, and, and everybody, you know, I have I have 600 regular members that don't want to get punched in the face. they got day <laughs> jobs and can't show up to work with a black eye or whatever, and, and, and they want to learn the tactics, the technique, the skills, be in shape, using MMA as the tool to do that. And we do it all the fitness classes and group classes are all organized to train just how our MMA fighters train to get in shape for their fights. You can pick jiu-jitsu, gi, no-gi, wrestling, kickboxing, all the different parts of MMA and focus on specific areas if you want. If you're more interested in kickboxing and boxing, then take those classes. If you want to get a gi on and do gi, gi jiu-jitsu, then take those classes. You can kind of pick and choose what it is you want to focus on. But you're going to be on the mat, and you're going to be sweating and rubbing elbows with a lot of fighters and might be I think fun. that's what they like. Did you, did you find the last few years have been kind of weird socially, just out in the, you know, there's a lot of riots and all this stuff. Do you feel like that there's been, your enrollment has gone up? Because people may, a lot of people made a lot of changes during COVID. A lot of people got out of one industry to go into another industry or to follow their dreams doing something else. Did you see any an uptick in enrollment for either personal protection or just lifestyle changes? I think or? that the real goal for most all of us, so obviously the gym industry got hammered with yeah. COVID and the shutdowns, the lockdowns, and we were no different. We had to pivot and, and find ways virtually to, to keep people interested and keep people working out. It's interesting, you, you know, everybody's worried about health and wellness, and you that close was, down all the gyms. Right. You close down all the national parks, all those places that are indigenous to health and wellness. Right. Doesn't make much sense to me. The beach. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me. But, uh, you know, we were happy. It wasn't that we saw an uptick, but we were managed to keep a status quo and Good. keep the doors open, keep paying the bills, keep the lights on, because a lot of gyms went away in the last two years. Yeah, a lot yeah, of they gyms. Did. They did. What's What's... So now you're broadcasting. You're on the other side of the camera, right? Yeah, I've been broadcasting now for five years you with enjoy the PFL, it? four seasons. I really love it. You know, I used to do it for the UFC uh-huh. back in the day. I worked for Fox and, and George Greenberg, yeah. who's, who's now working with the PFL and is in charge of all the production oh. and everything for the, for the PFL, uh, which is one of the reasons why I was attracted to want to go there and work for George. George is a great guy and uh, just has a very clear vision of how to, how to tell stories and, and make these athletes important and interesting, so... You know, yeah, it's been fun. I like how you worded that. Make them important and make them interesting. I think that's, uh, you know, telling that story because that's that's part of the job. Sitting on that side of the cage, yep. if you will, 
is to be able to tell the story, and you've lived the story, so you've yeah, probably I, I an think effective story. That's teller. one of the things as as a former professional fighter. I think we see some subtleties and nuances in the athletes and the sports and in the engagements that the average fan doesn't pick up on. And so, you know, Sean O'Connell, myself, and Kenny Florian, we're the three guys in the booth. Yeah. We've all fought. We all know this sport inside and out. Sean's doing the, the play-by-play. Kenny and I are doing the color. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Sean's amazing. He does a great job of kind of teeing us up, knows our expertise and, and what, the, what to do. So it's been fun. I feel like I had the best seat in my house with two of my college buddies <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about the fights and the fighters and they're very positive. I always try to be positive. I'm never going to try and be negative about any fighter, regardless of yeah. what's going on in there. Hoop. But uh, that sometimes can be a challenge, but most of the time it's easy. Well, we got to wrap it up. I think Steve just gave us the, you got to go over to ESPN, I, I think. So, okay. hey, thanks for stopping by, man. It's hey, good man, to see pleasure. you. Appreciate Good it. to Good see you guys well. again. Hopefully thanks we can interview your wife. And She'd love to talk to you. Get her out of it. So be Probably safe. Probably getting her off, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. All right, thanks. Thanks, well. Randy. He's, he's hooked. Oh, he's good. There we go. That was great. It was good to see him again. I, I'm glad he kind of, at least he says he recognized us. <laughs> so let's see. You're number three or four. So go ahead and put these on. That's, that's our girl. We just might. There we go. Top Gun. There it is. Very Top Gun. How are you? <laughs> as good as I can be. Trying good to be as you in. can be. You're <laughs> running for don't. State Assembly District 53. 35. You it's close. Samsonite. Samsonite. We were redistricted, <laughs> so things did change. So. Okay. So tell, tell us your name. Mindy Robinson. Okay. So what made you get into politics? Uh, you know, I actually majored. I actually went to school for this crap, if you can believe it. Uh, poli sci? Poli sci in American history. And no I really kidding. only liked political science because I had history in it. And I never used my degree, really didn't think about it. Obviously, I did the whole Hollywood thing and did movies. And then Trump came about. And that's when I immediately realized no one knew from either side what they were talking about when it came to politics. I had to explain the Electoral College one more damn time to somebody. Wait, you mean it's not the Electoral College? <laughs> that, you, like, mean, you mean you don't want, like, L.A. and New York making all your decisions <laughs> for you? Why would you to, want like, that? 42-year-old adult people that it's not electoral and it's not spelled college like UNLV. Like college. <laughs> yeah. Like, guys. There's a lot of ignorance. I think the thing that, and correct me if I'm wrong in your opinion, but I think the thing that, that Trump exposed is, is they exposed everybody's nerve over the past six years or whatever. And, everybody, and now it's a bit more, you know, cut and dry than it used to be historically. And people, people on the left really know what they want. People on the right really know what they want. Do you see that in your supporters? I, I don't. No? Uh, no, I I think what Trump really exposed was the uniparty system. I'm running as a libertarian. I ran last time for the GOP, and I learned that lesson. I'll never do that again. Yeah, that was... Um, there's this disconnect between voters and the parties that are supposed to represent them. I doubt a classic liberal can be happy with what's going on with castrating these kids and... and perpetual wars. I mean, they're supposed to be against those things. And at the same time, I don't think conservatives can be happy with the gutlessness and spinelessness of the Republican Party never standing up for them, doing, going along with whatever the Democrat... I mean, it's a uni-party system. And what Trump blew out of the, the water was they were all working together. That's why you see pictures, you see Pelosi. Oh they're all, they're all in on it. And it's probably no worse place than Nevada for that. Uh, the GOP is just as corrupt here. They're trying to maintain a status quo. Yeah. And anyone that's anti-establishment or anti-corruption or believes that they want to need to look into election fraud, that can't happen. And that's 
that's who's being suppressed right now. You're looking at GOP people getting behind Democrats over America first Republican candidates. That's how much they hate America. And, and I hope people wake up to it. You know, it's interesting you say they hate America and as, as someone running for, <laughs> for office because I'm just a civilian, right? <clears throat> and, but I look at these politicians on both sides and I go, they don't even like the, the place they are representing. They, don't, they certainly don't like me. They hate us. And, and when I say they, whoever they is, they don't give two shits about us. They don't. They don't care. You know, I tell people, I go, they throw abortion at you, and it's like, uh, I'm, I'm going to use baseball terminology, it's this bunt, and everybody chases it around the infield while the two parties run the bases. Yeah. And we're just the defense that can't find the ball. and Or they go, you know, they throw critical race theory. Nobody knows what the hell that means, but we all <laughs> jump on this ball running around, you know? There's a lot of distraction going on. Right. And, and distraction is a great word. They, everyone's like, oh, they're talking Civil War, Civil War. No, no, no. That's what they want. Right. They want black versus white, red versus blue, red versus uh, right versus left. They want us to fight each other. They want a civil war. They want division. Uh, but what we really need is a revolution. It's us against them. It's this elite class that hates us. Yes. We are cockroaches to them. Anything that they can think of to kill us or sicken us, they're for it. Or rob us. I mean, it, it is absolutely insane. And, and I never thought I would see this in, in my life, but it is here. And it is real. And the sooner people wake up to it and... and Maybe it has to personally affect them first. God, I hope not. Uh, but it's about to. Why Why do you think people aren't waking up to it? Because I feel like I'm awake. I feel like you're awake, Michael. Yeah. But has it sunk in? Like, when I think about, are you allowed to be censored if I can say no, anything? But okay. The last two years, I mean, our government tried to kill us. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I, as much, all the Agreed. work that I've done through the fact of, you know, this the vaccine that doesn't work safe and effective, if you can't show me long-term testing and generational side effects... How can you say it's safe and effective? So I never took it. And now you got people dropping dead. Healthy people. Healthy people. Health, um, athletes. Absolutely. When has this ever happened before? Uh, you've got myocarditis, which is so rare, but now everyone knows what that is. And, and it's denial. And, and what, it hasn't even really sunk into me that my government just tried to murder me by force, using my own money. Again, I mean, we had to pay for the vaccine. We had to pay for the advertisements <laughs> for it. They had to force us to take it. And I, I was going down shooting before I put that in my body. I'll tell yeah. you what. And I didn't start off being anti-vax, but I will never put another one in my body. That is, whatever they have done, I guarantee you has had the opposite effect. And they're reeling from it, too. That's why if you sense a panic from them, that's what's happening. You know, that was, that was something that I saw. You talk about sense of panic. The, the slightest pushback from we, the citizens. <laughs> and, it, man, they came hard. And they came hard with... N- None of it made any sense. No. My wife my wife pointed that out. She goes, you know, the science and blah, blah. She goes, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, my dad, my dad's six, 70 years old, so he had no problem taking the vaccine because he's from a generation, you know, the baby boomers, where you got in line for your polio vax and da, 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 all these well, different things. That kills people with the polio vax, too. I understand, but my dad came from this generation where they believed that their government had the right or their their best interest at heart and stuff. So for the baby boomers, I think they were the ones where it wasn't a big deal to jump in line. They all took polio vax and are all alive, whatever. So what's what's another one, Both right? My parents did it, right? And and I and that's fine. But I go, yeah. The problem for me is, I just I don't need the weatherman to tell me it's raining. I can look out the window. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And People go, don't believe yeah. what they don't believe their eyes anymore. 
And they shouldn't. They shouldn't believe anything. They like, just, even if it's in my favor, I'm going to have to check it and research it. Because if I post something fake, I'll never hear the end of it. I mean, I get personally fact-checked all the time, but I'm right. right. And they never take it down. I've learned to screenshot it. Because I, I'm running, like, 20-0 on things I've been right about the last two years. And I tell people, you don't want me to be right about what's coming next. Yeah. Because it's depressing. No one wants to think like that. They want to put on the TV, and they just want our lives to go back to normal. They want to be left alone. That's most people. And I'm seeing something. Everyone knows something's wrong, but they don't know what because they're not allowed to be told. People like me are censored. You're not going to see it on the news. You're not going to see it on TV. Lord knows you're not going to see it on your Facebook time feed. Everyone knows something's wrong, but how do I get the information about you know, the, the new world art, all this stuff. All this stuff that we were conspiracy theorists about has come to light. <laughs> and I'm like, what's left? What, hollow earth and machine? Like, every conspiracy theory, as crazy as it was, I'm like, and in and, and his heart, as much as I do this all day, my government is trying to kill us. Yeah. For profit, control, uh, I don't know. Let, let's talk about profit real quick. So my day job is I own a tax and accounting practice, so I do a lot of tax returns every year. Of the, of the tax returns that I do, because we split them up at our firm, Probably 90, over 90% of the tax returns that I do, all of those people had to give back the stimulus payment. <laughs> they had to give back the advanced child tax credit. And I, I kept telling my clients, this isn't a political issue. Why I'm telling you, because I was telling them this years ago, two years ago, you're going to have to give this back. They're going to want it back mm-hmm. because of the, interest. the type of income you know bracket that you're in. Nobody believed it. And... I see I see the math every single day. And and while, you know, maybe to people like us, the stimulus was only, what, 1400 bucks per person or whatever, might not make a big dent, but for a lot of people, it, it really helped them out. But now, not only do they have to give that back, but their refund is less. And, like, people are starting to wait, see... That it that it hurts them, it hurts their wallet, and, and it's it's sad you because know, I saw the writing on the wall a couple of years. Wait, ago. so this isn't Putin's fault? <laughs> well, no, no, not, <laughs> no not in my not opinion. No yet. kidding. No, not, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember we got these things. I have I have six kids. Four of them were in the school system during this. The other two were out, but uh, we got these EBT cards for our kids, right? And I just set them aside in my office. I was like, we don't do EBT for the kids. We, you know, they make their own lunch, whatever. And my daughter comes to me. They've been sitting for months, and she's like, Dad, did you ever get these EBT cards for us? I go, oh, yeah, I didn't activate them or anything because we don't do EBT. And she goes, my teacher at school said they're pre-activated. They're pre-loaded. Every family got one, whatever. So I pull them up. I open them up, and I go online. I register them. I four kids. I had like twelve hundred bucks per kid. Wow! Because because they they like backdated it to the start of COVID. Free lunch, free all this stuff, and so it's we, not really free. Well, I just said, well, I'm gonna go. It's EBT. You got to use it for food. So we built up our food storage. <laughs> <laughs> Your emergency food storage. Smart. I, I built up a year and a half worth of food storage on. I think we're on three ourselves. On we're pretty Biden's bad. dime. I go. I'll beat them <laughs> at their own game, dude. You know. And it was funny though because I was seeing parents were giving these to their kids. Their kids were going to the convenience store and oh. buying, you know, takis and soda. I go. That's not what that's for. But. They just gave it to people and didn't give them any kind of uh, and rules. It's a, and it's a training aid. It's become a training aid. They're, you they're know, teaching people to be reliant on them, and it's just uh, self-reliance is out the window. Right? No kidding. You mean it's out called socialism? The window. I Government dependence? Adam Carolla said they're crate training us. Yeah. 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 They they're crate training us like dogs. He goes, dogs don't want to live in a crate, but 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 we put them in a crate. 
They fight it and they fight it and fight it because deep down they're wolves. And he goes, and then, you know, three or four months into the crate training and then they're never leaving that crate. That crate is safe. It's where they get their food. It's where they sleep. Nothing ever harms them. And they go safely to their crate. And that's what they're doing to us. So I guess the moral of the story is, is how this, like, someone like you wants to break that cycle for us. What can we do as, as citizens? What, what, what's the steps we need to take? Become ungovernable. I mean, Ooh. I don't know what you did the last two. There are places I can't That'd go to in this t-shirt. city. It, well, it's, it's a, almost a libertarian theme. Become ungovernable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got dragged out of places. I got kicked out of places. I lost my mind. Here yelling in town? At, yeah, I, got, I yelled at the governor. I got dragged out. Um, that person yelling at Lindsey Graham at the airport, that was me losing my mind that day. That treacherous <laughs> great. little gnome. Um, and, and, you know, obviously people like me are always going to do those things. But it would have been, imagine if 10 of me have done that. And that's what's right. happening. There's a reason Lombardo can't go anywhere in this town without yeah. someone yelling at him about the Las Vegas shooting he covered up. Yeah. And he did cover it up. Yeah. And it's, it's getting back on them. And I think when people stop becoming more personally affected, when it hits their bank accounts a little bit more, their kids are coming home and saying creepier things, um, you know, they need to do that. But for two years, I mean, I don't even have kids, but I was at the school board meetings standing by other people yelling yelling at these monsters of what they're trying to teach. It was in Vegas where that mom was cut off from reading in a a sexual assignment. They made her teenage daughter read in front of the class. It was too vulgar to read in front of adults, but they have kids doing it. And and that's what needs to be exposed. We need to be vocal. We need to become ungovernable. Stop paying taxes. Rip off the government. I know I'm running for office and I'm not supposed to say that. Rip off the government any which way you can. They are going to send the money to Ukraine and pocket it back to themselves. Just keep it. I try to quit paying taxes, but my accountant's sitting right here, and he keeps telling me I have to keep paying. I didn't. I didn't pay. I didn't do my. I didn't do my taxes. There's a difference. And if the government wants to spend thousands of dollars to go after the forty bucks they owe me, let them do it, and I will become the patron saint. I'm not paying taxes if you're going to use it to kill people. You know, everybody, and I'm a tax guy, so it's. <laughs> but every we're 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 working for free until May every single year. Yeah. yeah. On credit. On credit, <laughs> and we don't get to see any of it. We right. don't start making money until June every single year, yeah. Because we, we're paying. Everybody's paying too much in taxes. So you get elected. What do you do your first day in office? Oh gosh. Well, the first thing on my platform, it's a legislation, legislative position. So that's where if people don't even know who their representatives right. are, but yeah. that's where you can write laws. That's where yeah. you can pull laws. That's where you can impeach corrupt officials. And I'm going to go after everybody. And yeah, I'm maybe even if I'm the only person like me that gets through. Um, I can bully other people to do the right thing. Like, you're really going to pass this law where you can castrate, you know, 12-year-olds? Okay, here's your face, here's your picture, here's your office phone number. Have a great day on social media. Right. You know, I don't care if these people can never leave their houses. There's certain things that are unforgivable. And I tell people, if I don't do my job and the things that I promise, find me and yell at me. Hold me accountable because we need to start holding these people accountable. So the first thing on my platform is I want to level the playing field. Because right now, if you wanted to donate to my campaign, you're limited as an individual. I forget what it is, like 1500 bucks. But if you're a dark money pack, you could give me a million dollars. You never have to tell anyone where it came from. And you now own and control everything I do, including my campaign. That needs to end. I want to get rid of so it's no more corporation money, no more casino money, no more lobbyist money, no more union money. They have no right to take from somebody and give it to somebody else. They can no longer donate to political campaigns and buy our politicians. If you can't crowdfund, then you shouldn't be running for office because clearly your community doesn't support you. And that's what we need to do. And that right there would get rid of so much corruption. Let's see who wants this job when it's a minimum wage job and they don't come out millionaires. But they're, but they're going to fight tooth and nail to never let that go. Because yeah. you just said it. You know, Michael, you always say follow the money, right? Mm-hmm. 
And you, and then you I want to punt that golden goose right off a bridge. Right. I'll tell you what. <laughs> and, and you say you go, they go in making minimum wage, and they come out millionaires. Yeah. I just read a thing where they were, and I, I don't know the exact numbers, but Al Gore left office as vice president in two thousand four. Vice president or two thousand eight. Two thousand. Two thousand. Sorry, Al good Gore. Grade. Yeah. Al Gore leaves in two thousand, and he was worth. They said like four hundred forty thousand dollars was his net worth. He's he's worth like four hundred million today. He sold Court TV to Al Jazeera, and he and he didn't he didn't build anything. <laughs> I mean, he's not flying rockets to space. Right, he's not doing you know? anything to yeah. advance and I science. Go, I go, how did he do? How did They're he do? selling their positions, right? And look at the Biden. Why do you think the FBI, which needs to be dismantled, I think the ATF, the FBI, and the IRS all need to be dismantled. Sorry about your job. We'll figure that out. We'll get you something else. Um, I got something else. <laughs> <laughs> but no, why would the FBI? cover for Biden. You know, that laptop is so and damaging family, yeah. and that, that's money laundering. It's racketeer. It's, tre- it's treason. Yeah. And when you look at the decisions you're making, it backs it up. These, and, and I, you can argue about whether there's election fraud up and down the street, but to me, the biggest proof is these people don't act like they need your vote to win and keep their seats. That's a good and point. that's because they don't. Yeah. We have a huge problem here. We're not even holding valid elections. We are not holding valid elections in Nevada and they are not reporting on it. Every time you bring up election fraud, they say, well, it, it was debunked. How? When? When was that investigation? Because the Secretary of State didn't do it. I looked into it. I do this for a living. I know exactly what they do and what they don't do. Isn't Arizona, the only, Arizona and Pennsylvania the only ones that looked into it? No. That even looked no, into Wisconsin it? No, Wisconsin found it. Well, Georgia it was, was caught on video. But here's my problem. This <laughs> is the- well, that's Georgia, though. But here's the thing. They can't do anything right. I mean, just in the primary election we had, we had at least 40,000 voters could not vote in their own primary because the DMV changed their party to nonpartisan without telling them. No kidding. That, the margin for governor was less than that. So Who's why aren't we char- doing a redo? Who's in charge of the DMV? Some corrupt government thing. Why are they doing that? Why are they auto-signing people up? So they're also auto-signing up illegals. So the legals, for some reason, get driver's licenses here. And if they don't opt out, they accidentally, without even knowing, become felons and get sent these mail-in ballots that are... You've seen the pictures. They're everywhere. We're still mailing in ballots. I've been able to check my bank balance since the mid-90s on a computer, and we're still mailing in ballots. I mean, I, I my prom king was, was voted on with more secure stuff than what we're doing our own elections on. <laughs> it's a joke. It's unbelievable. And we had the party and the precincts written on the outside of these envelopes, which is illegal because we're supposed to have a secret ballot. So all it takes is one biased poll worker to toss it. We had an, a court order. So the allow poll watchers are supposed to watch anyway, but they didn't in 2020. They were not allowed. So we got a court order and Joe Glory of Clark County denied them. They put up six foot partitions. People were changing your vote. Your vote could be hand adjudicated. If there's a scribble on it, it goes to a poll worker to decide, and you have no idea if they've changed it, and no one was allowed to watch them. And no one's allowed to check it. What is going on here? So Frustrating. How, so I'm, in, uh, like, I'm as incensed as you. Mm-hmm. How, how do we, I mean... Cause start making a, ammo. Because <laughs> you say, like, it's like, well, we've always been told, well, that's why you vote. And I go, and th- this is the first time in my life uh, you know, I love my country. I bleed red, white, and blue. I love it. And I don't trust it. I I, don't, no one does. And, and I go, so you want me to vote that, you know, vote or, or you, you speak with your vote. And I go, I don't trust it. It's go- I don't I think it matters. I'm running for office, and I'll tell you, I don't think our votes matter. I didn't even know how corrupt, like, the stuff you're saying, I'm changing votes and stuff. They won't report on it. Oh. Same thing with the Vegas shooting. The, the corruption in our local news system is bad. Even the Fox, they will not report on anything that the government, that they're working together. And that sounds like, it, well, it is a conspiracy because, well, it is. 
And the only way to fix that, well, I, I'm going to have to overwin my race. I should win off name recognition for eight years. I've been politically active, fighting for the constitutional rights of everybody. I've started, I've led rallies. I've organized protests. I've been dragged out screaming at the governor. My elected representative didn't do that and will never do that. And the rhino I'm up against, that's backed by Lombardo Dirty Money. Yeah, same thing. Who are you up against? I'm against Tiffany Jones. She's from California and she gets into politics every time it's like time to run. This is what she sounds like. Sounds like my So I'm up against a rhino, and, and she's complete, even though she's completely active, she's completely funded by dirty people, and I got a problem with that. So you're up against Snooki, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, California so Snooki. do you think you got a good jo- a shot at I all this? I should win. Yeah? I, I, if, if it's based off my actions, I'm not a politician telling you I'm going to do all these stuff. I already do that stuff. I'm tired of yelling at the politicians. I want their position so I can make the changes that everybody wants that is fair, that is equal, and not buy. But, you know, I've got to break through that uni party system. Can they afford to have someone? <laughs> they cannot afford to have me get through. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the votes come down in Assembly 35 when you've got someone who's built up a name and done documentaries and articles and exposed fraud up and down the street against two people who do nothing. And if I lose to that in an independent district, it'll be real funny, won't it? So maybe I help expose fraud. I don't know. We had a lady come to the house the other day. I can't remember her name. She was running for something or other. And my son opened the door, and, you know, he sees she's some kind of politician. And it was actually the lady. I can't remember her name. See, I probably know her. You should tell me. I I can't remember it. Uh, But my son calls for me. So I come up, and she goes, oh, I'm actually looking for Jennifer. That's my wife. And she had a list. Now, my wife's, I think, unregistered. So I go, I go. that's probably how, or maybe she's registered Republican, because this lady was a Democrat. I mean, the top of her flyer said something about, like, proudly supported or partner of Planned Parenthood or something. Oh, God. She wants to talk to my wife. Now, my wife <laughs> is affectionately, refers to herself as the world's worst feminist. <laughs> she's like, look, you go on a road trip, man drives. Got something heavy, man lifts it. You know, like, my, my wife doesn't fill up her own car with gas because she tells me that's your job. Go handle it. <laughs> like, she's great. You know, this is like, she's like, my, my wife wants to be June Cleaver. Like, and just, I'll go handle the heavy lifting. And and she, the lady goes, you know, ma'am, and, you know, I'm a proud partner with Planned Parenthood. And my wife I goes. I get off my yard. <laughs> she just goes, you're, you're, you came to the wrong house, lady. Seriously. And she's like, well, I want to talk to you about blah, blah, blah. And, uh, oh, it was funny, too, because she goes, I'm here to talk to Jennifer. I go, oh, you want to talk to my wife? And I could tell, like, this lady's face is like, yeah, your wife, because you have ownership. Like, I could see it Oh, my face. God. I could just see it. I could just smell the cats off of her yes. right now as you say this. <laughs> and my wife just comes up and goes, she's like, yeah, Planned Parenthood, out. Sorry, see yeah. you later. I don't give a well, shit. Well, it's a money laundering racket. How do people not realize it? So they, these people need yes. money to keep their doors open, but they've got millions to give to politicians to get more money, yes. to launder it back to the politicians. And and here's here's my stance. I'm pro-life personally, but I don't think screaming baby killer is ever going to change anything. You have right. to educate people. Yeah. And the first thing you do is, I don't want to pay for it. Let's get over that. And, and right now in Nevada, it's six months. I believe they're building a hotel in Reno so that women can fly in and get late-term elective abortions. How disgusting yeah. is six months? That's past viability. That's a living baby if something were to happen right then. What are we doing here? And, and I don't know the pro-abortion person that's pushing up to birth. Right. Only politicians funded by Planned Parenthood. I can't find the pro-abortion person who thinks you got nine you never months. never will. You, you won't. never will. And that's why, number one thing on my platform, 
No more corporation money, no more lobbyist money, because this is clearly the problem here. On a less serious note, will you promise to disband the DMV? Because I'm locked <laughs> horns with these assholes right now. I'm neck deep in a personalized place. Yeah, isn't thing. there a DMV czar you can go to I, with listen, this thing? I'm not joking. Like these guys, these Secretary guys have tried to. I don't see what, why the DMV exists and why I these know. aren't things you can't do online. I, and I'm against again, fees and I'm against account. most of the fees. Yeah, most <laughs> registration fees. And people are like, well, you can't just cut taxes. You can't just cut fees and registration. I'm like, if they got money to send to Ukraine right. and to leave we trillions money, of money. weapons in Afghanistan and, and all the other dumb crap that they lose it for, then they don't need our money. We they can don't. cut it through government waste. They Absolutely. I, I Going back to the follow the money thing, I look at like, go back to that EBT thing. I look at free lunch and free breakfast at school. And it's one of those things too where you, they go, you're against that because you don't want kids to eat lunch and breakfast. I go, no, no. I'm against, <laughs> I'm against that because, and I, I am, I'm against school lunch in general. I don't think the school should be I think they got bigger problems. I was poor as hell. We said still, my mom made me a 20 That's, cent sandwich and, and a quarter for milk. I would take small cans of tuna. Yeah. To, That's why I'm so fat now because I <laughs> discovered what food was when I got married. But, but when you start feeding <laughs> kids in the way that they do it, it looks like a prison. Well, yeah, it does. It's oh. crap it gets them garbage used to food full of preservatives. One in five children is obese. No one's going hungry in America. Can we just That's, say that? I, I've said that before. I'm like, where are all these hungry kids? They're all no fat one. as shit. No you know? one. I, I've so, drove by a high school. I'm a 42-year-old woman, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in better shape than these children. What have yeah. we done? We've gotten rid of gyms. We've, we, Oh, my God, the emphasis that we put on these is just play a video game and, and, and give another bag of Doritos. And you're going to grow up with the most caterpillar children ever. I didn't even have car seats growing up. Remember, yeah. like, we yeah, just we rolled sat around on the, the car. bump. Yeah. We sat on the bump in the back of the Pinto. I, I there was no car seats. We played. Do- Remember lawn darts? Basically, javelins. You throw them up, try to catch them. Do you know? Do you know they, yeah. they banned lawn darts because one person got killed? Where? I don't know. That's just that's the story that behind it. That smells like California. Alabama. Probably California. Mm. Probably someone I know. Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. They're still doing the thing with the archery up in the air. No. What I was gonna say though is, I go. The thing I don't like about the free lunches is. I've been, I have been broke as hell. Yeah. And I could still muster up the 38 cents yeah. to slap peanut butter and yeah. jam between two pieces of bread for my kid. Yeah. I was raised by a single mom. My mom worked, you know, sometimes two jobs, mustered up enough energy to either do it herself or, as I got older, she said, and here's the bread and here's your jam, mm-hmm. slap it together. And by the way, you know when you are in charge of your own sandwich, you can put more peanut butter on it. Yeah. Because you're That's ungovernable. <laughs> ungovernable. I love it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think, and, and that's the thing is I go, why aren't we going, I would rather fund programs where we go, okay, so parent. I'd rather fund home ec. Yes. And, and oh hey, parent, gosh. I'm and sorry. And teach kids home how to make ec. an entire $20 yes. spent. I mean, I went through college. I remember eating 99 cent Celeste pizzas. Yeah. I went to the dollar food store. And to me, I actually like the Frozen burritos challenge. and ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Because I couldn't afford salsa. Dude, lots and, of steamed rice. And the thing is, me. oh yeah, when you were in the thick of that and you're eating that stuff, did you look like I'm so oppressed? No, but no, you're just like, dude, I got a burrito. Yeah, we've we flipped this script where it's like everybody is so put upon and so oppressed. I'm like, you're not oppressed, dude. You're just eating 99 cent burritos, but you're eating. Yeah. yeah. No one starves in America. No one, unless they are being held captive, starves to death in America. And I don't know another country that can really say that. I told so, my son that a couple of years ago. He's like, man, I'm so hungry because we ate breakfast like three hours before. <laughs> I said, Jeremy, you you're, you don't know what hunger is. No. You're not hungry. He's like, no, I just, I'm craving. I said, yeah, 
That's there you go. You're yeah. craving something. You're not hungry. You're not like trying to catch you, the flies you, landing on you to eat. I yeah, mean, you're yes. not dying. You don't know and what that's fortunate. Is. And even if and there have been times in my life I have been very poor and I remember like trying to pick up a job at a restaurant, you just eat the food off the yeah. plate. And you know what? I'm not yeah, who cares? I, I, I'm I not did that at the Outback with their uh, <laughs> yeah. loaves of bread. Uh, who leaves a shrimp behind? I'm eating that. <laughs> right. you know? I was going to say, I, I worked at a restaurant and wasn't necessarily poor, but I... <laughs> yeah, right? Dude, I liked... In when the, we did the, and that's why we have immune systems. We had, a, we had a restaurant in a receivership that was up at one of the hotels. I can't say what it is, but it was in a receivership, and the state turns it over to a receiver, and we run it so that the owners could uh, argue it out, and we ate a lot of food Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that uh, <laughs> restaurant. He's great. In the sixth grade, you could well, be a lunch worker, right? And but for some reason, it was a punishment. Like I got in trouble. And they're like, "Well, you got to be a lunch worker." They're like free French fries, yeah. Well, and then they're like, "You got to be on the." I was the scraper, so oh, the kids, the kids yeah, yeah. bring their tray, and I'd scrape it into the thing. And they'd come and they'd go to dump it. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you got like half a pizza left there. What are you doing? Bring that over here. <laughs> Dude, corn dog day. I'm stacking corn dogs, Dang bringing man. them home. My mom's like, where'd you get all this? I was like, the trash. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, is that they're preparing so these children for socialism. Yeah. Here's a debit card and you better behave or we'll shut this off. We'll shut it off. And you better eat this food and you Look better at, do this. And if not, we'll, we'll take it from you. Look at the lanyards all the kids are wearing at school. And if you don't wear your lanyard, detention, you get in trouble, they're Sending you, Jesus. sending your parents nasty notes. My son, who's an honor roll student, in eighth grade, he gets detention for not having his lanyard the second day in a row. I went so. to a farm school. We milked cows. Like there was, we can bring a gun. I went to. I grew up in New England, and I went to Bristol County Agricultural High School. Actually, one of my degrees is in animal science, and it was just such a different. It was a vocation. So some kids were learning half the day arboriculture or landscaping or ag mechanics or small it's animals. It's like the exact or, opposite of the uh, school yes. in the show Fame. Like, <laughs> like oh, no, you're actually going to be able to support yourself. So it yourself. wasn't glee is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we learned something. And so right out of high school, I was able to get a pretty good job. I didn't want that job, obviously. I left that. But, yeah, apparently experimental animal labs are really sad places. Uh, so that was no bueno. But um, I, I sent I sent the the I guess the vice principal uh, or whoever the dean whatever I sent him this email and I was like look honor roll student didn't wear his lanyard you're gonna throw him in the you're going to throw him in Gen Pop and I go I tell you what if you're really gonna push this then we're gonna show up to the school Monday morning we're gonna throw firecrackers in the girls locker room because if he's gonna get detention he's gonna, it's gonna deserve be, it, it's gonna be <laughs> rad. I love it but and and the guy actually wrote back he goes. That's probably the best response I've ever gotten from a parent. We'll see Jack Thursday morning. <laughs> but, but you what called I, their bluff. But what I was going to say about that is, is the lanyards. You, so look at corporate America now. If I don't get, you get a job at the Footlocker. It's about conforming. You got a lanyard. It's yeah, about everybody's conforming. Everybody's swiping their lanyard. And you and I always talk about, Mike. You and I always talk about like getting the good parking and like we're. <laughs> We are absolutely, like, I don't want a lanyard. I don't want a buzzer at a restaurant. Mm. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Become uncomfortable. Yes. We got to get that shirt. I do want that shirt. What's your stance on firearms? Oh, I'm pro-Second Amendment all the way. Probably more so now. I mean, if you valdi it and open people, just let the cops take care of you. The cops will still wait an hour before they help away. you. Gosh. It happens here. It happened at the Las Vegas shooting. Why were they waiting in a stairwell for an hour? I mean, I know why. But why? Why? I don't know why. Can you say it? I mean, so I did this, if your viewers are listening, I spent a half year putting together a full-length two-hour documentary on the Las Vegas shooting because no one apparently wanted to do that before. And I listened to every 911 tape. I read every police report, uh, the body cam footage. I mean, we had a suit. It took a year and a half to get out. 
And by then, the media hadn't reported on it. There were so many holes in that story that after two weeks, the media was told to stop talking about it. They stopped doing press conferences. Yeah, Lombardo got that. caught like, lying. Gone. He got caught lying. And the things like Laura Luma broke out. Where So after we finally get the body cam footage, they knew that night the real date that Paddock checked in, which Lombardo lied about, but he knew because they're on the you know, thing telling him. They knew that there was three people registered in Paddock's room. The girlfriend was registered. Remember, there's two rooms. Yeah. They knew the girlfriend was registered to one and Paddock was two. There's three other people. Three other adults registered to that room that had to have been in there because if you look at the door locks, they're opening at the same time. Uh, obviously, he wasn't alone. This is why I think they were in the stairwell letting whoever escape. Um, and they will not name or investigate him. And I actually confronted Lombardo about two months ago. He got booed at an event, because he, as he should. And I caught him outside. I did. I knew a door. Uh, people leave at it. It was Stoney's. And I asked him, like, who are the three people you won't name or investigate? And he goes, your family, which is a threat. That's a threat. You're basically wow. saying, yes. I mean, he didn't know my family's already dead, but he didn't know that. But that's, you know, to me, that's a valid threat. And I said, what happened to the hard drive? There was a hard drive in Paddock's room of the computer that walked off just walked off the crime scene. And if you watch my documentary, it's called Route One, Uncovering the Cover-Up. Uncovering the Cover-Up. It's on YouTube. It's age-restricted Infowars. It's got almost a million views. And it's shocking. It, you will be open-mouthed looking at the stuff that they've covered up, and no one will talk about it anymore. So I feel like I want the spoiler. So what... So what, what caused it? What was the reason I for I think the they shooting? were going for the entire Second Amendment. I don't think Paddock shot anybody. I think he was dead before they started. I, I believe there are other shooters. There had to have been. Well, they, they combat experts have said that. They're like, that's that's not one firearm. It, it wasn't. It's not and a single. Like, when you read different. the police reports that they didn't want to release, you have witnesses seeing gunmen all over. All over after. All over during. In parking lots, people saw fi- uh, fire ringing out at Tropicana. And then other people saw the casings. So what the hell is going on here? Hmm. Why can't they just show? This is the most surveilled city in the world. That's, but they, yeah. but all we have is cell phone but footage and knows, body cam yeah. footage we sued for. What the hell is going on? We got here? footage of Dan Blazarian asking for a gun, but <laughs> we don't have anything else. Which, which by which the way, makes sense. You know, it's funny that he would ask that. Like I'm a, I'm a staunch Second Amendment supporter. I own one firearm. I'm not. I don't have a. There's a rookie number, son. Well, I, know, get those out. I know. I know. I keep telling him. <laughs> And it, I'm and a gun dealer. I know, and it took him it took him ten years to get me to buy. And you know, my biggest concern was is that I had small kids in the house. That is a concern. I don't and have I, children, and I didn't know a way to safely store the gun, but also be able to use the gun when necessary. Now we figured that out, but I'm a staunch supporter of it. And at the same time, I don't want guys like Dan Bilzerian <laughs> grabbing a firearm at the Las Vegas shooting and. Shooting other people, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, he obviously he tried and he didn't, but yeah. to me, the Second Amendment is the most important thing, and, and I think they were going for the entire Second Amendment. Why would this guy, who's supposedly a millionaire, not buy, like, a Gatling gun or something amazing? No, he does bump stocks? Well, yeah. And if only, only half the guns had scopes. Only half the guns had scopes for that shot. I mean, this doesn't make sense. I think their emphasis that the feds were setting up was that they wanted bump stocks to prove every semi-automatic automatic weapon can become automatic. Mm, not really. Because real bump stocks don't work like that. They almost never work. Yeah, you're right. It, they're a joke, which is why when people took it, we didn't care. But they also, that time, we were about to pass a bill to legalize suppressors and universal carry. So my concealed carry would have carried in all the other 50 states like a driver's license, like normal. You know, that got pulled within 24 hours, and then they were going for the Second Amendment, and we just weren't having it. They made the mistake of shooting at a redneck crowd. I mean, I was supposed to be there. Convention. And you, even the old ladies were like, mm-mm, that's a different caliber, and that came from this way. That's a straight-on. People knew. They, they, you they, shot at people that knew better. They picked the wrong demographic. They, they really did. did. Jen knows some, one, of the, one of the fallen 
personally and mourns his loss, but she's a staunch pro- People should be carrying more. People should have been carrying Dude, at the Anytime concert. there's a shooting and then the liberals go, see, see, I go, no, this is exactly why we should have it. You voted, though. You voted, you would have let your kids get shot to death before ever going in there. And then you see the foot. The footage is weird. I don't know if you've really seen the footage of the release, but it, something's wrong. There's no it hustle, looks like a no drill. sense of purpose. You would have thought the cops right. were doing a drill, and I don't know if that was footage from them yeah. doing a drill because they're they're not nervous. They're cleaning their hands. One guy doesn't even have a weapon. The medic has nothing but a stethoscope on him. Like, what in the drill is going on here? What is going on? You know, this recent, it's like they didn't take it seriously. This recent Texas shooting, I thought that very thing. I thought, that those cops right there are standing off like they did at the shooting at the Mandalay. Have you seen that video? Mm-hmm. Is this the Uvalde one? Yeah. Yeah. The perp's down there, and they're just sitting there like this, just yeah. waiting. And I'm then like, the last Dude. three mass shooters were known to authorities. They had The Buffalo shooter, Evaldi shooter, made announcements publicly that they wanted to do a mass shooting. So they're not on the FBI radar, but I am. I'm on an FBI list. I got my visit for being at the Capitol. Like, this doesn't make sense. Are and, you on an FBI list? Oh, yeah, I got my visit. I, I want to be on an FBI nice. list. you got to try harder. Uh, you just you hang out with me. You're probably on one now. You're probably on one right now. <laughs> They're tracking me now. <laughs> They've got you. They're looking through your We're search history. Screwed. This guy likes weird stuff. They're, they're going to find I just like occasionally like Googling dumb things listen, to just mess with whatever agent. I hope they, I'm red-pilling whatever agent is listening to me. If they listen to my, or if they were to look at my Google search, it'd be like, Filipino midgets riding a chicken? What's, <laughs> what is this guy into? Elvis impersonators in lingerie? I don't know. Well, if you're, if you're elected, and I hope you do get elected, Will you help do away with NFA rules so NFA? we can get suppressors easier? I well, it's a state position, so I'm, I'm. Yeah, but you can still. Oh, I believe in all of that. Uh, to me, there's an order of what I need to do. We need. I'm sick of waiting. We need. We, <laughs> <laughs> sick of waiting ninety thing, days for my suppressor. Nothing. I no bill I put on the docket will matter until I fix election fraud. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's where it stands. We've got to fix corruption, then we fix election fraud, then we can do all the things we want, get our rights back, and, and do that sort of thing. But th- there's an order to do things. And, and I think uh, anytime a politician's like, give me money, I'm like, but you're not going to tell me how to fix fraud? Nah, get out of here. Yeah. You know, and, and so we've got to get rid of corruption. We've got to have elections we trust, and then we'll see changes that we need and want. That's what I truly believe in. So I love it. I don't even know if I'm in your district, but you got my vote. Southern Highlands, Mountain's Edge. Ah, dang it. Not Southern, in Where's Southern Highlands? Southwest. West. Southwest. Yeah, I'm on the other they're side ri- of the 15. They're richer than you. So. I'm down by them. Um, but, you know, if you could just do something about the DMV. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry not, to bring I'm, that back. The like feds I'm, are listening. Like 18, I'm not allowed to say what like I think. It's like an 18-month problem I, you've I had with these people, I literally right? drove around for a year. I think, I think the DMV should be an online website to re-register, and then that's it. I drove around for a year with no license plate. I got they approved me <laughs> no. for personalized plates and then wouldn't give them to me. And I, I kept getting pulled over. Just tell the officers like, yeah, they didn't give me my plate yet. Oh, okay, go on your way, whatever. They're probably so used to that. Oh, the DMV uh, sucks. Pr- pretty much. And then I finally just go, you know what? Screw it. And I went and registered it up in Utah. By the way, they wanted six hundred bucks to register my truck here. It was one hundred fifty bucks in Utah. It took me eleven minutes. <laughs> I walked in, no appointment. I Those walked DMVs in. up there are in the library. Yeah. Well, the Mormons have their stuff together. Yes. I mean, we yeah. got to take between, you know, we, I agree. we've got to watch them. Most that and Chick-fil-A. I feel like we could let Chick-fil-A <laughs> run our elections. We might actually Dude, if get Chick-fil- <laughs> if Chick-fil-A. the election line. Right? right? You get a chicken sandwich oh while you wait in a milkshake. Gosh, yeah. So no, because yeah. that'd be influence. You can't get a free milkshake uh, out of a deal. You can't even get water, apparently. I was giving out water when I was, because it was, remember ba- when we did that, it was 105 degrees. There was no shade. People waiting in line for three hours. I just went oh. and bought water and gave yeah. it to them. So, anyways, 
Just get, get rid of the DMV. Dude, I'm going to get rid of so much stuff. Yeah. So much stuff. Also, if That's you what you got to do when you move. Like you know this. When you move, you got to clean out your garage mm-hmm. and ditch all the stuff you haven't seen in six months yeah. and start you, over. You know, you, you, start you started this forest. conversation talking about being ungovernable. <laughs> so I have a trailer, a little car hauler trailer that I rent out. <laughs> the DMV got wind of it, and the guy calls me up, like the guy from Ghostbusters. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you know, you need this permit. You need this and this and this and this. And I said, I got all that. I got the business license. I got the insurance. And, and, uh, and he said something else. And he goes, well, you know, you can still get a $1,500 fine. And I literally I go, send it, man. Send me your fine, and I won't pay it because it's an LLC and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I literally, I was like, I, I hung up the phone, and I just thought about my accountant, Mike, here, and I was like, he'll fix it. You it's did the fine. right thing. It's fine. It's They'll never fast. do anything. Yeah, and I, I literally, I just like, I hung up the phone. I was like, then come get me at my trailer. Right? Suck it. Yes, yeah, suck it. And, uh, and you know, and now I'm on a list because the machine heard me. Now you're well, on the DMV list. We're all on a list. You're not even, are you even freedoming if you're not on a list? <laughs> no. No, yeah. you're pedophiles, not. Pedophiles, kick it, kick it on top of pedophiles, but, but pe- political dissenters, but right on to that. But, uh, you know, it's all, we talk about waking up and stuff. I, we, we pulled our kids out of school yeah, this year good, and, good, and we're homeschooling the, the two youngest. And I'm like, I'm debunking shit yep. left and right. Yeah. Even my son, who's 16, and he's in school, he comes home and he's like, Dad, dig this one. <laughs> and he's got another one. Like we were t- He was talking about rain and, and how, oh, or we're talking about water and we're running out of water. And he had a teacher who was like, yeah, do you know what happens with all these pools? The water evaporates. And my son goes, where does the water go? And he goes, the teacher, this is a science teacher, oh, like, no, goes into the clouds. And my son goes, right, and then where? And he goes, well, then it, go, it goes into the cloud. And he's like, right. And then it and comes then? back down because that's called the water cycle. Yeah. Like, it's been science for at least 100 years that we know about. I think it's been raining longer than that. Yeah, well, <laughs> my son, I told my no son. science. The, the, the Bible says 6,000 years. But, my, uh, but the point is, is, like, even my son who's 16 is just like, this cuckoo bird doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But he doesn't argue. He just goes, okay, guy, I'll fill out your paper. Water goes away forever. Bye. See you. Give me my A. And then he comes home. He's just laughing about it. He got asked what his pronouns were. Oh, get a list of oh pronouns. Gosh. So he wrote, I would have been a smart ass about he, that. He, I'll he tell did, you what. He did. He wrote CEO. That was his oh, pronoun. I like that. And the teacher told him, you know, that's not very funny. And I said, well, then your teacher doesn't know comedy. That's hilarious. <laughs> I would have put so. Sig and Staccato. <laughs> for Sig g- and Glock. When Those are my pronouns. When it ever asked for your gender, I write Viking. And Caitlin, you know my daughter Caitlin, <laughs> yeah. she had a teacher go, teacher goes, hey, you, know, you can't put this down. She goes, ah, I didn't do that. My dad did. And the teacher goes, well, I'm going to need to talk to your dad. Caitlin goes, Okay. <laughs> But he's the guy that wrote Viking on that paper. <laughs> you want to have that? Like, this is my dad. He doesn't give a shit. And I never got that email. So That's good. I'm ungovernable, dude. You're I ungovernable. I think yeah. we need a T-shirt. I'm getting it. Well, hopefully. Thanks for sitting with yeah, us. It's no, finally I, I good love, to meet you. And uh, see I love you. talking it's politics, great. so I'm having to look how, over my shoulder. How do so. people find you? Um, I'm electmindyrobinson.com is the website. It'll have all my platform. You can donate, uh, or at least just buy a sticker for my car. Like, just show me some love. Just I, I don't need people's money. I need their support. So if, even, if you don't have any money, just share my stuff. It's, it's about getting my name out there and getting people to vote for me uh, and, and just converting those roads over and trying to save Nevada the best I can. And, and I'm not going to stop, and hopefully no one gives up. So. No, don't stop. Keep at it. Keep yeah. at it. We right. love it. Well, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for thank stopping you. by. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Mindy Robinson. Robinson. Mindy Robinson. Running for assembly seat district 35. 35. Very I, passionate about that. She I liked what Randy was talking about with the different organizations and uh, up-and-coming fighters. I love that his gym, like you said, we don't care 
what yeah. organization you're with. We're here to train fighters. Because, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what octagon or ring you get into, you still got to punch a guy in the face. Mm-hmm. So Or get punched in the face. Or get punched in the face. So, well, You're listening to ISC Radio. We're at the front yard at Ellis Island, and we'll be back with, I think, a few more guests. So we'll be right nice. back. Hey, guys, thanks. We're back at the front yard. And, you know, I, uh, I had a, a million-dollar player that I've known forever. We'll just call him Mr. E. And he called me one day and said, hey, I'm, I'm producing this show called 27 about all these people, which, by the way, Mike has been to your show. It's fantastic. And um, he said, uh, you know, could, could you help on Wednesday nights and bring some celebrities and stuff? And so, I, you know, I, I love music. And so Naz, my friend, is on, who is Jimi Hendrix, and then Leah, who was Amy Winehouse. And so we've all, you know, got close, which is cool. We spent Thanksgiving together. And what's cool now, and I think this would be a good interview because forget about the music part. I want to know, like, these guys are a couple and became a couple. And, you know, usually, you know, other than Pat Benatar, okay, and maybe uh, Sean and Madonna, you know, it's tough because you're both in the industry and you work together and live together and then sing together, right? No? I mean, so it's a good question, right? <laughs> so, so first of all, who pursued who? I'm going to ask Leah that question first. Well, um, Nas saw me and he went, who the hell is that sexy lady? <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest is history. <laughs> That's it? Is that your take on the story? She came off the s- rehearsal stage and I was like, damn. She goes, So, so wait, so you, you had never met before 27? We never nope. met before rehearsal. Our, our rehearsals were in L.A. Uh, okay. We okay. Had one yeah. yeah, she got off stage, and I was like, we talked, and she goes, yeah, I'm part Italian. I go, oh, I'm a sucker for Italian women. And that was it. And then the, when the show started, we kind of were playing around, and it just happened over the months, man. We hit it the whole time. Uh, that's awesome. But now, no mo. <laughs> no hiding. Now hide from her. And I was like, <laughs> and, and, no, and so my, my favorite uh, bar, which I know Mike has not been to yet, is called oh, you gotta come. The, the Barbershop. Oh, and, yeah. No, you're no, t- it's a go, real man. barbershop, and there's a back door that says janitor. I mean, only in Vegas. It looks like a movie set, and you walk in. It's the coolest speakeasy is how I'm going to describe it. And then their group. Momo. Mojo Juju. Mo- <laughs> Mojo Juju. Mojo Juju. Shit, I can't say. Oh, oh, we can cuss. I'm on podcast. Oh, two minutes. So how did you come up with the name and where can people come see you? And, and is there like a YouTube channel? Like, so maybe I'm coming to town, but I want to see your vibe or Instagram. We have an Instagram. It's at mojo.ju.ju. And the name Mojo Juju came from a little bit of me, a little bit of Nas. Nas is from North Africa. So we got that juju in there. And then Mojo, we wanted to use a word from the show 27, and Jim Morrison has a song, Mr. Mojo Rising. So we oh, decided yeah, yeah. to take Mojo and Juju and put them together, Mojo Juju. And we're playing at the barbershop very often. We're playing this Sunday, the next few Fridays, and we're playing all over town. We're playing, actually, the Palms Club Chaos September 10th. And that's oh. the big room that holds uh, thousands I, of people. I, I didn't even know Chaos was back open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a big show uh, for us, so we're excited about that Zoe one. Bowie just told us how big of a deal that is. We didn't know that until this point. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, he showed us a photo. We, had, we went, oh. oh. So, but at the barbershop, uh, we have to tell people, you, you, you don't start early, right? I mean, can't go 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Okay, 10 p.m. And then to what, like midnight-ish? 1, 1, 1.30 a.m. But you guys, it's like a big oh, so living room. Mike, Mike, Mike <laughs> oh I my swear gosh. to God. No, but you feel like you're in a really fancy, expensive living room, and it's really a great atmosphere. I mean, and is it not, a real barbershop? 
Yes. yes. And so, like, will they shave? Because yes. I love yes. a good yes. barbershop yes. shave. But then there's a secret door that leads you into this venue. That's so cool. It's the coolest thing ever, man. Yeah. yeah. And the barbershop's pretty... It's like It looks like the 50s or something. Oh, yeah. Right? No, like no, a no, real barbershop. Yeah. yeah, it's a real barbershop. Yeah. It's so cool. It's yeah. our favorite. It's my favorite venue I've ever played. So. Same. It'll be fun. Yeah. We'll go. Yeah, definitely. No, and well, they're, they're literally feet from you, not yards. I mean, it's just a couple feet. Reach out and touch me. Reach out and touch me. <laughs> oh. Oh, I, like I love this song. It's my walkout song when I fight. Hey. Is it? This yeah. is your walkout song when you fight? Yeah, because I had years of ACDC and Highway to Hell, and I got too nervous, and my, and my coaches were like, pick a song that you can fucking relax to, and this is my jam. Hmm. And so my last probably 20 fights have just been used me. All right, thank you guys. This is great. Thanks, Thanks. for sitting with us. Thank it's good you. to talk yeah, to you guys. Thanks, guys. I'll see you at the barbershop. Sounds That'll be fun, fun brother. We'll thank see you. you soon. I'm going to make him go. <laughs> You know, this is my theme song for everything. This is my fight song, so I, I have... It's the Steve Sears Summer Tour song. And Bill Winters one, really I think. See, I would put Brand. Slayer if He's I had a fight song. No, because it calms me, and, and then my, my coaches in my ear... I used to come down to, like, Highway to Hell, and he's like, you're too nervous. So pick a, n- another fucking song. I mean, that's exactly what he said to me. Hmm. I said, how about use me? He goes, done. And so it's been, like, 35. Anyway, hey, it's uh, Steve and Mike, and we're back at the front yard, and I've got Anna Marie and Christina Ellis here, and we're just going to do a quick segment, and... You know, uh, Mike, when I first started at Caesars Palace, we had approximately 24, 25 hosts, zero women hosts. Each, each three of us had a female secretary, and they would put in a reservation for us, which actually I kind of miss. Uh, but uh, anyway, <laughs> and, and there were, weren't many uh, female gamblers. Now, of course, that's completely changed. And I would say out of the 700 hosts in town, I would say there are probably more female than male. I know Cosmo has four really? hosts. And they have about 30 women and 14 men. That's great. So, yeah. So, I anyway, that. I just want them to elaborate a little bit about, you know, they were young in the casino business. It's, it's a man's world. Well, when you look in the pit, I mean, look at the dice table. There's still more men players than female players for what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of females. So, w- w- girls, was that tough? Or how do you think? Or you're a female. Uh, if there's a problem with a player, the image, what do you do? I, I want to talk to a man, you know. Yeah, what do you do? How was that hard? Or was it not hard? Well, we definitely had a unique experience, right? So we both grew up in the casino industry, of course, but we work for our family. So there was never any, like, barrier to entry because of our gender in, like, that respect. And we were so lucky because we were raised by, you know, parents and a dad who really believed that, like, we could do anything that we wanted to do, almost probably to a fault, right? That, like, uh, just, like, blind uh, naivety that we could do whatever. But... But definitely being in the industry, it is it is male dominated and and is getting a little bit better and and so we've you know had that experience just with interacting with players and just like the general like treatment towards women. I mean that's something that globally people are getting better at. So yeah, I would say it's more top of mind for everyone. I would say you know operations, being on the floor as a host, like coming right out of school and not really knowing know what I was getting into um I mean there were definitely times where I was like I'm not gonna handle this situation by myself because I'm not comfortable doing that and part of that was because of being a woman and I didn't want to put myself in an uncomfortable situation but I think those are all like you know learning experiences kind of to know what everyone's comfort level is but I would say an industry as a whole with you know more women getting into management, getting into C-suite. Um, I think all of that is is because of the work that 
everyone's doing and bringing that top of mind conversation, having more women mentors, different organizations, specifically with gaming, Global Gaming Women is a group that I'm I'm in and, and, and appreciate a lot just to, to kind of bounce off with you what know, other the, people the, are. The Raiders GM is a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's like three now in the NFL. And so there's you, upper you, management and even in the NHL now that it's female. There is? is great, yeah. Wow. Okay, so uh, I know we only have a couple minutes left. I know the front yard was like a goal. What's the next goal here? I mean, can you say anything? I mean, do we want a, a tower someday? <clears throat> I mean, they're right on Cobalt Lane. Talk about location, location, oh gosh, location, yeah. right? I mean, man, Dad picked a winner location. So what, you know... I would say I, that looks like they can't talk about something. We are always nope. like innovative, looking for the new thing. You know, the front yard happened because there was a space that wasn't utilized, and we wanted to grow on that. Um, with with it being a need. Um, well, we know the mountain burnt down, so you have to build something there. And yeah. I, I know what you're doing, but can we say that it's going to be more than an A-frame, right? We can say that. We can say we definitely will be rebuilding Mount Charleston, which is exciting. And as far as Ellis Island goes, uh, you know, we are a small company and we have been able to, you know, withstand the test of time because we are adaptable and always excited to try new things and and change and and see what the future holds. Would you ever, you have what, 14 pubs, right? Yorkies and, and, Mm -hmm. okay, would you ever take any of those out of state? Um, so this isn't confidential. We actually have one that is going inside of the Seattle airport. So that's, question, that'll be uh, an out-of-state property Steve. for us. That's exciting. And, and when does that first. open open? Um, sometime next year, I believe. Okay, so how do you find employees there if you live here? Isn't that a pain in the butt? So they're all, you know, through the airport, they help with hiring, right? That's a good question. I mean, it's it's hard to hire people anywhere, and when you have a location farther away from you, you just hire somebody you trust to manage it, and you have that, like, constant check-in and communication, and and that's that. That's I mean, the most employees I ever had in my career when I was a VP at Hilton was 41, and I'll never do that again. How many employees do you guys have? We have around 800 employees. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Eight, well, maids, I mean, think about it. I mean, yeah, I, I can't do it. I, 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 need, it's, I manage me. That's it. And that's a full-time job, brother. <laughs> yeah. We know that. It's a full-time job for Anna to manage you, too. So it's many layers. <laughs> oh, I, I swear I'm trying to be the last two months on my best behavior. I, I, I call. I ask good. permission for everything. That's great. It's because I'm, I'm paranoid. I don't want to. This is a good gig. Yeah. So, okay. Well, um, you know, thank you. And uh, now do you, do you, like, do this sound kind of out? Oh, uh, yeah. I knew you'd like that. I knew you'd like that. I do like that. All you got to do is press a button. Okay.